So today we did a little bit of a different episode. We talked to two of my best friends, Rock Sandretto and Steven Higgins. And so these are two guys that I meet with constantly about all things business, investing, family, Jesus, all the things that go in our life that are so important. Two of the closest guys that I have that we can share all of those things. I have guys that are closer to me that we just talk about certain snippets. But there's not many people out there that I have that I can do all of them talk about all these things with. So we talk about Steven, who's a doctor, and his investing strategy as a doctor. We talk about Rock, who's a business owner who owns a salon, fixed by another salon, and his investing strategy. We even go into what we do here at Meal Fit Table and Time and how we invest, not only in the businesses, the quote, passive stuff that we do, but also active. We talk about tons of conversation here. Wonderful thoughts on with Steven and Rock today. thanks for joining us today. Today we have a little bit of a glimpse into a normal everyday conversation that I get to have. So we've talked about numerous times about having people in your life that you can bounce different ideas off of. During every stage of life, we always grow. And as we grow, our friends change. And some people think that's sad. Some people think that's amazing. I think it's amazing because the friends I had at 21, 22 years old are not necessarily my friends right now. Not because they're bad people, but simply because we've grown in different stages of life. So I have Rock and Steven, and Rock is his real name. I have Rock and Steven, and we are on a text message, and we talk about different ideas from business to investing and really even into family. We get in a lot of family discussions as well. And these two guys are incredibly important to me. Um, we talk about so many different things and we're also a huge sounding board for each other there's also a lot of accountability there we pray for each other there's different instances where we've had where one of them has needed prayer and we have prayed so it's a wonderful wonderful relationship and i would not be where i am today without these guys in my life to bounce ideas off of to talk things through with because some of them just look at me sometimes and say hey that's not a good idea so what we're going to do today is we're going to have an episode where we just you just peek in on our conversation because we do this probably three, two or three times a month. And I do this to encourage you. Find somebody that you can bounce these ideas off of, whether it be really, really small or really, really grandiose ideas. You've got to have people in your life that you can just talk about things with and also challenge you with different things. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to give a, I'm going to have them give about a 60 to 90 second background of who they are, what they do, and kind of their invest in, investing buy box and then we will just go from there. So first up is Rock Sandra. Rock's been on our podcast. If you want to go back and listen to this episode, it's wonderful. It talks about his deep, long story and all the different things he went through. But Rock, go ahead and give us a, a background. Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, so Rock Sandretto, live here in Birmingham, have four kids. We have businesses. Um, my day-to-day -day is managing different businesses that we have. Um, we just launched a few, a few different uh, ones as well. Um, my investing style, I would say, is more like passive. You know, it's like I like the passive income, not into the real estate thing, which I know you guys are. Right. Um, that just didn't excite me. So I feel like my investor DNA is more that passive. I look for tax strategies um, when I invest and stuff like that. So, Give us an example of, of two of your passive investments so that they can understand what passive means because passive income is the buzzword now. Yeah, true. Everybody thinks, true. I, won't, I won't mail, but I heard a guy, my, my uncle or nephew, I don't even know what he is last mailbox night. Mailbox money. Mailbox money. That's I just want some mailbox money. Yeah. Well, you got to have money to make mailbox money first. So tell them what you're doing. That's, what the, you're that's doing. a big thing. So you like that accredited investor level is where you can kind of, I feel like, start investing uh, money, cash, and you get some kind of a return. So to me, passive uh, income is stuff where I do get a, a check every month. So it's like every month I'll get a check. 
Um, tell, so, tell them about one or two. Yeah, of yeah. So we have ATMs, and that's just a solid payout every month. We have oil and gas. Um, some of them come with different perks. Some of them, like the ATMs, you're locked in for seven years. The oil and gas, um, you look for exit in like three to five years, and you have a, a good uh, multiple on the exit. So those would, are what I would consider passive because you're not actually doing any kind of operational stuff. Um, I think it's, what is it, 500 hours a year is what's considered yeah. passive, something like that. So you're really, I mean, you're giving a, a fund money and then you're getting checks back every month. So you talked about accredited investor. Stephen, you know this, this definition better than I do. Stephen, tell us what the accredited investor actually is, because I hear that term all the time. Oh, it's not accredited, accredited investor. Tell them what the criteria is for an accredited investor. From what I understand, you have to have a million of, of uh, uh, your net worth without your real estate or without your primary residence, mm -hmm. or you have to make 400000 for a couple of years. Gotcha. It okay. may be a, uh, I think that's the number. Yeah, I think that's pretty close. Got it. I hang on one second. Is this, is his mic close enough? Actually, yeah. yeah, he's not. He's a he's a soft guy. He's a soft speaking yep. guy. So okay, I'll start from here. All right, Stephen Stephen Higgins, known Stephen since high school. <clears throat> There's probably a 20, 20 something year gap where we didn't yep. really know each other. Part of that was because he was in med school. Part of that was because I was coaching. So Stephen, give us a background of like what you do, but then also your investing. Bye -bye. Sure. So I'm a family medicine physician. I practiced hospital medicine for the last ten years. Uh, also run a hospice, uh, do a few other things in the medicine space, married, uh, and we have three kids. Um, have slowly started to transition from what I would say is very active invest, or not active investing, just active work. I'm the only W2 1099 person at this table, uh, and the bulk of my career has been uh, as an employee, uh, slowly shifting into more entrepreneurial uh, type things, uh, working with some passive investments with uh, land investing. Right. Yep. We uh, we've done some single family homes as rentals and done a single family flip. Um, and then I, just in the last year, started an aesthetics practice uh, more as my, I guess, foray into uh, entrepreneurial um, endeavors. Okay, so the two things that we talk about that I love that what each of us are doing is um, there's some, I want to ask you about, once you go in depth about the ATMs in a second, mm -hmm. as much as possible. Then I want you to go into about the spa stuff. Um, I'm Thomas. I own two different catering companies here in Birmingham. We also operate the food service for Highlands College, which is a college here in Birmingham. Uh, and then I also started back in 2017 with doing real estate. I skipped the whole multifamily thing. I saw Grant Cardone on a video and said, don't buy single family homes, <laughs> go buy apartments. And so I said, that's what I want to do. So I bought it with a partner in Tennessee. So we own 22 with John in Tennessee and I own 10 other separate, so I own 32 units there. And we've got a place at the lake that we are gonna short-term rental, which I do not like short-term rental at all. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, I just don't like it. Everybody says that short-term rental is the best. It's extremely volatile. Like oh. you could be, it's feast or famine. Like I even saw a video of Cody Sanchez of the day. She talked about how they made 18,000 this month and 2,000 this month. Like I don't, I don't want to get into that. Yeah. Probably very market dependent. Very, very market dependent. And so I just, we, we bought the lake for a, for a legacy property to have in our home for generations to have a place to go. And then while we're not there, we got three kids. Yeah. We're, we're playing ball. Like we played ball this weekend. We're playing ball next weekend. We wouldn't be able to go this weekend if we wanted to. You're sure. the same way. Yep. And so um, we bought that for a legacy place. But then also we bought a, uh, recently bought a um, wedding planning business in Costa Rica. And so that's one of the things that we've talked about 
here recently. So there's the intro. Let's go into just the deep conversations that we normally have, and we will do the very, very best we can to give context here. So the first thing I want to ask is about this this medical business that you met with not too long ago. So to give a little bit of a context there without giving too much information. Yeah, so um, this is a mom-and-pop operation. They've been in operations for 35 years. Wow. Um, so they've been through, you know, 98, uh, 08. Yeah. 08, mm -hmm. not 98. Yep. Um, and uh, COVID, of course. But, uh, yeah, so we had a meeting the other day. We're just looking at um, – What do they sell? So they sell um, – equipment for handicap so it's, it's all handicap driven you have government contracts va contracts you know with the government yeah. you have uh medicare medicaid all that all that stuff right. as well and so what they do is they'll have um contracts with these different manufacturers that they can install certain equipment on certain vans uh, they do van conversions where they lift the van the, the roof of the van so you can drive the wheelchair right. in there hand controls for so they do all that kind of stuff they do everything yeah all all of those okay yes. so what, how tell me about the meeting of the day because we've talked about this yeah multiple meetings yeah, yeah. So tell me about so <laughs> with the smirk well, well first first of all i was i was man i got deathly ill so i was like i i had the flu or something i don't know what it was so i was kind of in the brain fog when we went to that meeting mm. i was actually on a call on a call with uh one of the guys and i was just like man i don't remember everything because i was in a brain fog so um but i did look at their p l's and and first of all if you're a business owner um running your personal spending out of your business is a terrible way to run your books and run your business in my opinion why um well first of all you're you're spending everything the business is making so you'll never have any p l's that are showing any kind of profit unless sure. you have some kind of a receipt process which a lot of people don't follow receipt processes but um you just can't look at it so they had a good top line their bottom line looked like garbage of course because they're running everything out of it they're in that mindset and i've been there before with our business too where you're wanting to hey the business is not making any money because i don't want to pay taxes you know so, sure. we're, so we're going to just drain this thing dry mm -hmm. and that's what they've done for 35 years but so when you look to sell yeah if you look to sell you don't have anything to show no 100 and that's the thing is like so what me and uh, my wife started doing with our salon is we do our ebitda uh, every year to see what our sales price is. All right, EBITDA. EBITDA is the number after you bring, say you bring in a million dollars and you have $750,000 of expenses, you have an EBITDA of $250,000. So right. This is all the money that you actually can, can quote, put in your pocket, pocket. or reinvest back in the business if you wanted to. Yeah, and, a, and an easy way to do that is whenever you buy a business, you look at their EBITDA and you do a multiple. So some, some places like e-commerce brands, they usually have a high multiple. Right. Uh, brick and mortars, you know, a little bit less. Yeah. And then you can kind of do that multiple of what that is, a two, a three, or whatever it is. So first off, it's, the books are so bad, you, you can't. What um, are they bringing in top line? Top line was one year they had, so two years, so 2021, they had 369,000 top line. Um, of course, they're, like I said, their, their net profit was in the negative because they've been just pulling everything out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other year it was around 480. So, so, I mean, they're doing potentially, you know, half a million a year. Um, they're, everything's paper. So nothing is uh, digital. Nothing everything's digital. analog. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing digital. Holy crap. Um, don't have an inventory management system. Uh, the owner said they had like $80,000, but he's just throwing a number, you know, and seeing if it's ah, the eyeball about test. 80, yeah. About 80, about $80,000. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a good family, great family. Um, but 
I don't know. So I was just trying to dig into that. So I was on a call the other day and there's acquisition companies you can call that'll walk you through the acquisition process. So I had some recommendations and it's about 10 to $15,000 you can hire this company come in. They will go through everything. See, even break down the revenue of the business of like, okay, this part, this revenue stream is the most profitable versus, you know, this one that's, that's really low. And they'll give you all the, all the numbers and all the criteria. So I'm thinking that was my, that might be my next step. At first I, w- I was going to get our bookkeeper to just go in and just sure do get your bookkeeper to go into their, right. Books. Go into their books, digging anything, which of course that'd be cheaper, probably five grand. But, um, after talking to these people about the acquisition stuff, I was kind of like, why would you not hire somebody back if you're going to spend pretty good bid on so it? So you're saying they would give you the next step of if you buy, then maybe key in on this sector. As well as this is the purchase price that we would sure. feel safe with. Okay. You know, this is where you're looking okay. at all the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a real estate agent. And yeah, this 100%. Is where you yeah, yeah. Grow. This is where you think, this is where, where you can do the, what you, and they come on site too. So with that 15, 10 to 15,000, they'll have somebody fly out. And they, I think they spend like 10 hours a, a month or something like that on it. Where uh, That's person, not bad. It's not whenever you're going to spend a lot of money. You sure. know what I'm saying? But do you think you would get in there and spend the 10K and then go, nah? I mean, that's a possibility too. I mean, you know, that's what entre- spend 10K entrepreneurship is. Two or three hundred K. Yeah, right. But this is a business you have some working knowledge of. Right, yeah. You know, so, family. yeah, whenever so. I was, so I dropped out of uh, college, unlike my doctor friend here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. to, By the way, Stephen took yet, 14. Here we are at the same yeah. table. <laughs> Stephen took 14 words to tell you he's a doctor. He's yeah. a physician. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I actually worked for this company. I actually, right, it's kind of like in that, uh, probably about 15, 20, 18 years ago, maybe. So I worked with them for like a couple of years when I was like in between jobs, you know? So yeah, I have a somewhat working, I mean, I wouldn't say I was So if you bought this, th- so really you're not much farther down the road than you were before the meeting. No, but this is a long process. Like I'm not in a hurry right now. So like, and they're not in necessarily a hurry either. So I'm thinking a year process to, to kind of get the ball rolling. I'm not running through it really fast. I don't want to buy it on uh, right. emotions, right? No, definitely not. Um, okay. so. All that being said, just like with Weddings Costa Rica, it was an eight or seven, eight month process for mm-hmm. us. So you're going to be six, eight months a year. Do you think that you really are going to pay a company 10 k to go analyze this stuff? Or? I want to think I'm smart enough to do it myself. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Honestly, when I looked at the P&Ls, I don't even understand how my bookkeeper could go through it and, and really get it to a good hard number. Wow. Um, there's so many lot. It's just the P&Ls are, are, they've been doing their own bookkeeping for 35 years. Okay. Lesson number one. Yeah. And I don't know what you do with the spa. Lesson number one, pay a freaking company to do your books. 100%. Man. So like I pay Lindsay Miller at Empire 900 bucks a month and they do all our books for meal, fit, table, and time. And you're funneling probably close to $2 million yeah. through those books. That's surprisingly inexpensive. It's, it's, it's crazy how big bookkeepers that, are. And yeah. the time that she's giving you back. Well, it's number one, I hire professionals. This is what yeah. they do. And objectivity. That's the biggest thing. Because I can do the books or have someone in the room do the books, but it's easier to go in there and say, hey, make this. No, no, no. Like she does the books. And if we have a question. And also, here's the thing. Taxes. Oh, it's so nice. Bro, man. when you have the tax, our tax guy's name is Jason. When Jason... Calls asking for taxes. I'm like, hey, talk to Lindsay. It's so much. It's so it is nice. so worth the yeah. money, and it's not again 900 bucks a month for 
it can sound like a lot, but the amount of time that I don't have to spend looking at that stuff and the amount of time they do, and I get a call the 15th every month to go, the, it's only 15 days too. So they're like only 15 days past the end of the month and we go through the previous month and the That's previous good. Yeah. time right. before that. And Lindsay, who's owner of the company, has working knowledge of, hey, like this number's not good, you need to fix this yeah. labor number. Hey bro, right. you're spending too much on food or. She can shoot you straight pretty quick. Very, very yeah. quickly. So great lesson here. You own a company, hire someone to do your books. Okay, so talking about the spa, how's the spa going? So I love this with Steven. Here's why I love this with Steven. It's in the industry. He can use his W-2 knowledge and the, the, the education that you spent gazillions of dollars on. <laughs> Wasn't making fun, but a little bit. The gazillions of dollars making uh, what he spent on his education you can use it here as a, I hate saying the word side hustle, but I mean, this is what this is. This is sure. just, this is, it not, is what it's it is. not mailbox money because no. you're having to go do it. This is still very active income, but it's very easy income from what I'm saying. So give them an example. So he's a hot, what they call a hospitalist. So he works at a hospital. He's a doctor. He can tell you all these doctor things, but he, um, t- <laughs> t- I don't, I don't understand the medical world. We're not doctor people, even though I love Steven. So tell us how the spa works in conjunction with what you do day to day. Go ahead. Sure. So my, my W2 job as a hospitalist, I work seven days in a row. I'm off seven days. Uh, when I'm off, I have to put out some small fires here and there, but mostly I'm off. So, um, the kids are in school not now. <laughs> no. The kids are, the kids are uh, busy. Uh, so during my school hour time, uh, I can I can uh, invest some time and some energy into doing something that I thought would be fun and and different. Uh, in the hospital, when people come and see me, uh, they're they're not there because they want to be. They're there because sure. they're sick, they're ill, they don't feel well. Um, their their week went horribly awry when they wound up in the ER and, and wound up getting admitted to the hospital for a surgery or for an illness. So I wanted something, especially after COVID, that was more fun in medicine and uh, that to me looked like um, what would something want to where they would want to come and see me and uh, medical aesthetics looked like that was one pathway to that I started working with an esthetician who had an existing practice but she couldn't offer uh, certain things in this state Uh, you have to be a physician or a dentist to do injectables injectables would be Botox is a brand name, but neurotoxins is that family. There's a few different neurotoxins in that world. Sounds horrible. Um, neurotoxins. I know. It neurotoxins. Sounds like it sounds like something <laughs> off a of Nicolas Cage movie. It seems like it would be a hard sell, but uh, <laughs> turns out it's not. And then uh, dermal fillers, which uh, is uh, a big class of medicines where people get their lips done or uh, maybe accentuate something or try to reclaim some youth. So in an attempt to find something new and different where people wanted to come and see me and you know maybe make enough money to justify the risk that's involved in taking on something in medicine because a lot of decisions in medicine are made about risk and reward um rock uh, floated an idea out to me a couple of years ago maybe a year ago it was a company in town was going to do something new and uh and probably we'll see more and more of it over the years but when we talked numbers the reward wasn't enough to offset the risk because I have to pay medical malpractice. Uh, that's very expensive. So sometimes we say no to things that, that would be a lot of fun or, or something we'd love to do or passionate about. But uh, if, if I have to take out a med mal policy that would so eclipse- go back, go back, medical malpractice sure. insurance policy. Yep. 
which is incredibly expensive. Yes. Uh, so if it would eclipse what I might make on the uh, on the endeavor, then sometimes the the smart decision is to say, well, the the reward is not greater than the risk. Um, but in medical aesthetics, it seemed like the reward was going to going to exceed the risk. So, so tell me tell me how this came about. So you're a doctor. You're you work in Gadsden, Alabama, which is a smaller community here in Bur in Alabama. Tell me how the relationship came up with this this. This sounds bad. The person that owns the spa. Sure. And then what you actually do. So if you're a doctor out there and you're listening to this, mm -hmm. give them kind of the, the, the blueprint of what you did and how you're making money. Sure. So I think probably, uh, I, I don't know enough about the meta spa world because I'm relatively new to it, but I would say there's a fair number of, of them out there that are owned by physicians that are kind of a side branch of their existing practice where they hire in people. And then there are some where I'm working with an esthetician who uh, had a pre-existing practice uh, of her own. She had her own clients. Uh, she had some of her own devices, uh, some treatments that she could do on her own, but there were things that she couldn't do as an esthetician versus what a physician could do. So we actually just found that through networking. Um, my administrator for my practice at the hospital uh, was going there for facials and uh, the, the lady there said, well, I really would like to grow in this space, but I don't know any doctors that would be willing to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and in the post-COVID medical world, I, again, I wanted something new and different and something that I could uh, develop a, a passion for and spend some time doing some education uh, and challenge myself again because, um, you know, eventually hospital medicine, you do the same things uh, on a day in and day out. You, you know, you have somewhat predictable results. Uh, so you have to challenge yourself uh, professionally. And this was a way to do that. So it was so, a very organic thing where so I, you got introduced I joked about it for a couple of years, like, ah, oh, this, this COVID stuff keeps going bad. Maybe I'll just start doing Botox on the side. And somebody, I guess, took that to heart. And they had a conversation and said, hey, you should meet Stephen. You introduced this girl. Get introduced this girl. Tell me what that looked like. What dollar amount did you have to invest? Where, like, what does it look like? And how are you sure. making money? So uh, I was fortunate in that she had a client base. So that was one Wonderful. of, one of the, the pain points would have been, hey, this is something that I only have so much time for. Uh, and I spend... I try to give it about two days a month, and then I take about a half a day uh, on my off weeks where I keep my books and yeah. uh, finish up on charting, make sure I've got my inventory that I need. I'm still bootstrapping this. I'm about a year into this endeavor. Um, so when he says bootstrapping, he means using his own money to fund this, not getting outside, raising outside capital. So I would say relative to starting a lot of businesses, my cash outlay might have been $20,000 on the front end. Um, which, Good. you know, if you're looking at uh, a business that uh, should be able to grow over time uh, as a percentage, probably a small percentage, but the flip side would have to be uh, if you were looking at a business that you were going to do two days a month, 20 grand might feel like a lot um, uh, right off the bat. Uh, so that's, I guess that's the rub of yeah. you had to push some money across the table, but I didn't have to lease a space. I didn't have to hire a staff. That's good. Um, so that may be unique. I'm not sure how other people wind up doing it. I know a few physicians that started a practice in, in the post-COVID uh, uh, world, um, but it's a physician-owned practice. Whereas mine, I essentially operate as my LLC under her roof, and she has her own LLC. So we're kind of mutually beneficial in that, you know, uh, 
hopefully I'm bringing people to her place that would be coming for my services, but then stay for some of her services. And then she gets to offer something that she couldn't do before. So you're doing, well, tell me what you're doing. You're doing Botox. When you say fillers, you mean lip fillers? What else? What else are you doing? Lips, cheeks are pretty common. Chin um, are, are kind of the ones that we enjoy doing the most. BBL. What's that? Uh, sometimes you can do the lines, you know, here. Really? As, as we age, we lose, uh, you know, muscle in the face. The, the bone actually changes in the face over time. And then we lose different fat pads. So some of the things that you see um, as a part of aging is uh, just, it's natural, but um, People don't your want world I mean, I'm getting old, fights bro. against it too. I look in the too. mirror and I'm like, man, I'm so, just getting old. Um, so it's, you also uh, lived a very hard life. Yeah. <laughs> you had a section of your life that, that is, was really, that was really hard. That pretty hard part of my life. Yeah. Not football hard, <laughs> but other hard. Not concussion. <laughs> Not concussion hard. Um, okay, so, so two days a week. Give me a roundabout. Two days a month. Two days a month. I'm two sorry. days a month. Two days a month. Give me a roundabout figure. So you've invested $20,000 on the front end. Give me a roundabout figure of what you would quote net net on a month if you did doing two days a month. Yeah. When I say net net, I mean expenses are bought, not counting your time. Mm-hmm. You don't want to factor that in because I mean you're making the money. So what would you, what, give me a rough, rough number. I would say in medicine, it feels really odd to talk numbers uh, for for one, yeah. uh, because people don't always understand the risk component, right? Sure. So I would say at this point this year, which is first year, um, we uh, you know had some clinics that had to be canceled for this or for that, yeah. had jury duty at one point in time, um, illness, you know these sorts of things because it is a side hustle. My, yeah. My W-2 job is, is a locomotive chugging down the tracks. It doesn't stop. So uh, it, it requires me to be there when it's my time to be there. Um, but I think at the end of it, when the smoke clears, I could probably talk about net more than anything. And I think this first year it would be $25,000, so $30,000. you 100% on your, 100% on your return. Sure, yes. Which is but great. the risk part, so with medical malpractice insurance, you have to pay uh, in the moment for something that may happen today, but you also have to pay down the road. So when my medical malpractice policy ends, um, I have to pay for what's called tell, which would cover me for however long you could make a claim against me. So oh, if, wow. if you had a problem today and five years from now, you decided, you know what, that's really bothered me this last five years. I'm going to go sit down with a lawyer. There's a statute of limitations that, um, that, uh, exist for those sorts of things there's there's a cutoff if it's within that cutoff then you technically could still come back after me and 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 initiate a lawsuit so you have to pay for you know med mal today and you have to pay for med mal down the road and that piece tends to be expensive too so i almost have to this first year look at it as it will probably be close to a wash Mm. um, because of some of the down the road things unless i continue to do it and continue to grow it uh, but did you buy a laser? We did. So you bought the laser and then they used the laser, correct? Mm-hmm. So he bought the laser. This is, I think this is the best thing ever. So you bought the laser however many months ago. And then tell me what that interaction looks like. Like, sure. It's pretty expensive. I mean, so we haven't pow out about this. And I yeah. told him I, I want an off camera one at some point yeah. in time because uh, in the ever-changing landscape of medicine, it's going to be difficult for that to play out. 
the way really? that we were hoping really? for. Mm -hmm. so, the, so, so the girl can't do the laser stuff? Uh, not in the way that we had initially thought. And oh then comes back into the medical malpractice side of things. Wow. So. Does that change, though? Because the girl that did Jackie's laser when she had laser hair. It's state to state. So oh, if I remember correctly, that was way back. It's in Tennessee. So a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, each state has its own board of medicine. Yeah. And each state, uh, I guess, has things that are, um, I guess, uh, important to them. Or, you know, it's made up of a cast of characters, a, a group of physicians that develop policy. Uh, so I guess uh, this one was a, a more recent um, uh, piece that we're going to use we're it to figure it out. We're going to figure that out. So they can change the regulation on you. Oh yeah. Yes. Is that yearly? Well, I, I think uh, as uh, this space has grown, uh, meaning like uh, medical aesthetics, medi spas, that sort of thing, um, as people have tried to bring new things to the state. There are times where the state says, well, hold on, let's let's mm. slow down and make sure that we do it the right way. And, and that's what you that's want, fair. because yeah. uh, we yeah. don't we don't want to be uh, flippant about um, what we can offer somebody. So. So that deal may not work out the way that you had originally. Not the way it. that I thought yeah. it was, because I thought that was going to be yeah. a, uh, a passive component, Same. Yeah. somewhat active in that I would have been um, overseeing that. But. Uh, I was hoping that that would be a little more passive than it looks like it's going to be. Yeah. All right. Talking, talking about passive, um, talk to me about ATMs. ATMs. Tell me what you did there, how you did that, the dollar amounts. Give, give it all to me. And, and, and also, so <clears throat> we have talked about this at length, and there's a group. Who was it that Texas sport and said, you, oh, it was you. You yeah, had the yeah. gym. Mm -hmm. You had these dudes that wanted to. Dude, they've been trying to get in our conversations for a long time, and I want them to. I mean, it's cool, but um, – yeah, I think I think like you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, it's just like people you surround yourself with. Yeah. Because until I got in the mastermind and started hanging around us together at the at the same time, my whole world just changed for the better. Yeah, that's you know good. what I'm saying? Um, and it's just because you have that accountability, you have different ideas, you have things that normal people in your table don't talk about. How um, do you not? Okay, so here's the biggest question I have for you, and and you you and I. Have, you did you deal with this and I deal with this now Stephen not so much because he stay he stays really really busy how do you not get like information overload to where you just like I want to go do all these things like because because he's a, a so um, rocks a member of wealth without Wall Street and it is a mastermind it costs it's pretty expensive and there's some guys in Birmingham Russ and Joey Joey, Joey mm -hmm. run this and heard nothing but great things about Russ and Joey mm -hmm. I don't know them personally need to have them on the podcast yeah. just to come talk through things but you're a part of that group. And when you got a, became a part of that group, your really thought changed a lot. You did change a lot. But how do you not, because I deal with this mm -hmm. all the time. How do you not get shiny object syndrome? Because mm -hmm. you have more money than the normal, normal human being. Yeah. And think, go do this, go do that. Go. I'm like, how do you deal with that? So they have this thing um and when you join their community or you might get take it for free i'm not sure on their thing but it's called the investor dna so you go through this like almost like a personality test for investing so um mine came out to be um of more of that hands-off approach sure. passive because some of them are different some of them are like short-term rentals arbitrage you know there's tons of different ways to make money but mine came out, and Brittany, my wife, uh, came out pretty similar to mine as, mm. as far as uh, what our investment DNA it did. is. Yes. Oh, wow. So, like, when somebody's telling me a certain thing, I know 
that it's not in my buy box. So there's no sense in even trying to get excited about it. So buy box. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like if I hear about real estate, it's amazing for so many people. It just doesn't like get me excited or get me pumped up. Um, which doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just for me, it's not in my buy box. So that's the biggest thing is, is that because being in this mastermind and even us talking in our conversations, you have, if we had infinite money, we could invest in something pretty much every day. You know, something Dude, different. I get it. I mean, it's all the time. I get it all you the time. You get it as a physician too, because everybody thinks yeah, that, it's the money thing. hey, you've got yeah. just money sitting. Uh, they don't understand that, you know, for 10 years I was paying off massive student loans. But everybody just assumes on day one you've got just piles Tons of, of cash, money sitting. Yeah. So your friends from high school shoot you a message like, hey, I'm going to, I got this great idea. What do you think? And what they really mean is, give me some money. Do you, do you want yeah. to invest? But that's so how I it get is too. some of it too. Wow. Yeah. And whenever you do it, so Sharon in one of our calls mentioned like changing your LinkedIn profile to uh, investor. And man, you do that, you just get even more stuff. It's like- so you get stuff on LinkedIn? Yeah, it's just like you get more ways to make money. Um, and the cool thing with being, which I know everybody has to work up to that point, that accredited investor, that's really where you can just use your cash. Mm-hmm. Unless you buy a business with somebody, and that's how we started. You know, you buy businesses, grow businesses, stuff like that. You don't have to be accredited for any of those deals. Right. Um, but like when you get in that accredited, it's just like, there's tons of deals, you know, sure. and, it's, and then you, then you're like, okay, well, okay, well I'm out of capital now. You know what I'm saying? I got to get some of this capital recouped and then to deploy more. But, um, and a lot of those deals, people are in them themselves. 100%. Yeah. So like the fundraisers, like they believe uh, in it too. Yes. Just or like the land deal with JD and, and land X is like, those guys are investing in the same deals too. They have some skin so you, in the game. Right. And it's the operators too. That, that, disqualifies a lot of stuff. It's like, who's operating this deal? Right. Do I have a connection with them? When you talk to them and you're doing your due diligence, you know, phase It's like, do you mesh well with this, these people's vision and, and what they stand for? And so that cuts out a, a lot too, just right off the bat, you know, yeah. what you want to invest in. So <clears throat> the passive thing is romanticizing for everybody. I've got some passive things going that I love. Tell me about the ATMs, how that came about. That was a Wall Street. Yeah, that connection. was our first investment. Okay, so tell us about that. Um, so you could invest uh, fifty-two thousand, accredited investor invest fifty-two thousand, and we get one thousand seventy-one dollars every month for seven years. Okay, fifty-two thousand yeah. dollars, and you get what? One thousand seven. Yeah, that's good. What'd doctor, you say? eighty-four months. <laughs> he did nice, the math right? real fast. I'm like, it's, okay, it's let's just go. a multiplication <laughs> <table>. <laughs> So that's over my head. How many years? Uh, seven years. Seven yeah. Years what did your mom teach? <laughs> yeah, school? she taught math. <laughs> Hope mom's not listening. Um, so 3.9 years, you get your money back. So you'll have that 52,000 back in your pocket. Then you have another, you know, three years, right? Yeah. Of, of profit, if you want to look at it that way. So what's the, what's the monthly outlay? What's the monthly return? Uh, $1,071 a month. And that's on the 52. And of course, that's the minimum. You could go up. And did, did that fund give you some depreciation? Yes, that's the, yeah, that's, the, that's another big thing. So you're buying ATMs, even though you'll never see them. So the first year they bring you in, if I'm not mistaken, as a GP. So the GP is, is- GP is general partner. Right, general partner. So you're getting that benefit of that deduction from buying that equipment. Meaning 
Because it's technology, and technology today is going to be worth less tomorrow right. as new devices come out. And it's a physical out. machine. It's wear it's and like tear. A, yeah, like a car. So, so, let's, so the, here's where we have to stop and break sledgehammer and break it open. Exactly. <laughs> well, I have to stop and break this thing down. So say an ATM costs $1,000. Right. And every for the IRS, there's a what they call a depreciation schedule for all things, houses, technology, whatever. So they have this in a category somewhere. How many years can you can you depreciate it? So we did 80% year one. And, oh, wow. And then 20%, yeah. 20% amortized over uh, the next I think, six years? I think, yeah, I think that's the way that we're gonna run it. I okay. think you can pull it out that next year that if you want to, that okay. makes 20%. So what he's saying is whatever he spent, he can take 80% of that number or the value of those machines, 80% and count it off of his taxes. Yes, and then you have, you can count off, so the way they bring you in is the GP, you can count that against active income. Wow, yes. that's great. It's, it's amazing. So active income, passive income. Active income is the salon. So Rock didn't tell you, he owns a probably the best, not the best salon in Birmingham. It's on 119 and 280, uh, salon 43.1. It, it's, everybody goes there, it's huge. How many chairs you guys got? Uh, I think 22. 22 chairs. It's wonderful. That's his active income. Yeah. So he can take this passive deduction. So, so let's just use the yeah. number. So say he makes $200,000 a year mm -hmm. and say the deduction is $30,000. So technically, you're only taxed on 170 mm -hmm. as opposed yes. to 200. So yes. that's where you take a deduction off of your active income. Because right. you got to make sure you know between passive and active income. Yes. And it wasn't until this year, man. Every year we would get so screwed on taxes because you're paying so much. I didn't even know until I joined Wealth Without Wall Street last October that there were these deals that you could do. So we would start new businesses or invest in new businesses to get that same kind of deduction. Um, I didn't know that you could just use cash as you know, buying a passive income source pretty much to be able to write that off. So it's been nice, man. Like this year, we didn't, I mean, I don't want to say what we paid, but it was hardly anything in taxes. And we should, do, we should be like that for the next two years. Okay, so let's talk about this deal I got. Uh, this is new, and we have not discussed this before, so this is gonna be awesome for y'all. So uh, I got this came across my desk the other day, and this is not gonna hype up Brock, but it probably will, Steven. <laughs> 20 unit apartment complex built in 2006, okay? Um, which is relatively new compared to most apartments, oh, yeah. especially individually owned apartments. Mm -hmm. So it's in Huntsville, it's five, Four plexes, so it's a, it's like a cul-de-sac, and there's five buildings. Four, Luke haven't even heard, hadn't even heard this deal yet. So five buildings, four units in each building. It is, um, they're wanting 1.8 million for it, okay? So 90,000 a year? Right at it, okay? So, so smart, I, I, he's so smart. <laughs> I love I that doctor friend. I could throw a football really far. <laughs> um, throw it over that mountain exactly. right there. <laughs> So, looking at the numbers, though. So here's the here's the so in all real estate, which is a pretty low buy-in per door. Not bad, not bad at so. all. So here's what you have to look at when you're looking at and evaluating these things. Number one, who is selling it, and why? Guy owned it, he died. Mm. Family wants to get rid of it. So you know, and this sounds horrible, but you got to use what you have. There's an emotional. Let's get rid of it. That's the great thing. The bad thing is they don't want to sell or finance. Mm. I could probably get them down a little bit. Probably not gonna get them down a whole lot because they probably don't have much debt on it. But what I'm looking at is through the financials through 2023, so through July of 2023, they go from about 8,500 8, a month in rent roll to the top line is 13.1. Dang. Over how many years? 
No, this is just like the, the first seven months of the of the year this year. Okay. okay. So the least wow. they took in one month was eighty five hundred. The most they took in one month was thirteen hundred. What or thirteen thousand? What percent occupancy does it say? It's one hundred percent occupancy. So what's okay. the discrepancy then? It looks like they had some move outs and it looks like and adjusted yeah. rent. Well, January, it looks like it was just people moving out or moving in or just mm-hmm. people freaking not paying. And mm-hmm. then you got a. But here's the problem: is you've got two months, and that's that's operating income. You got two months of fourteen two and fourteen three, which makes me think that that was like late rent or someone mm-hmm. paying two months. Or I haven't gotten to the deep end of the numbers yet, but for the most part, if you get these suckers down like one point six, it's probably not bad. No section eight. I hadn't seen the neighborhood. I don't know if there's. I don't know what is what. Yeah. But I do know that Huntsville is extremely it's growing. growing. So it's a yeah. growing area. And anytime you've got a growing area, apartments are going to be needed. Yeah. And these are. And here's the thing. I do not like A apartments. I do not like D apartments. I'm a B, C guy. When right. I say that, I mean what, what level, who is living there? Yeah. I don't want crack addicts living there, but I don't want executives, executives. that are paying you know, three or $4,000 a And expecting. And expect yes three to four thousand yeah. dollars a month of service so, on top of their apartment. No doubt. Did they even like uh, entertain the owner financing? Or no, they're old. So the problem with being it's the problem with all these boomers rehab right now is some of them they want to get their cash and go yeah. to the house. That's, true. That's the negative. They part. spent their time. They have they've done their time, but <clears throat> with owner financing, I just want to sit down with them over a cup of coffee and say, look, yeah. if I can pay you a million dollars over the next ten years. You're gonna take more money, as opposed to me giving you a, going sure. to the bank getting a million dollar check today. You're gonna and you spread it out on taxes. Spread it out on taxes. Say, yeah, cap gain. Cap I mean, there's so many different. But some people can't plan ten years down the road. So if true. you give, yeah, there's fifty percent of the population. Give them a million dollars, it'll be gone in a year. Gone in a year. Maybe yeah. more. What would you set that up though? You would still set it up as going to their heirs. Like say say they were old. You're doing yeah. an owner finance. Is that how you set those? Deals you could. Up? You would have to, yeah. And I've we were we were going to buy a fence company, and we offered the guy like one point four million dollars for that, and we told him, hey, we'd give you twenty four thousand dollars a month for the next X number of years with a balloon payment, and ten years or five years, whatever. The, I don't even remember what it was, but like, you can, like, I would want to do something like that. Like, hey, we pay you this much a month, yeah. Because in essence, they're the bank. If them being the bank, I can spread my payments out mm-hmm. not have to go through all that rigmarole but then also you know get them paid off early and all i gotta do is say hey we'll, we'll pay you out the rest of what they call a balloon payment in you know 10 years yeah. at that point you can sell or finance it. you can yeah. you can pull you can refinance, refinance pull the money out because yeah. i don't want to go borrow money at eight or nine percent right now no. yeah. so yeah. i'm going to go look at this this weekend or not this week sometime probably wednesday are you presuming some deferred maintenance on buildings that have been owned for 17 years? Yeah. Same the, person. You, I asked the realtor, I was like, hey, what about HVACs? What about roofs? He's like, the guy's done taking care of everything. But like, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. You know, what has he not done the last three years? Mm-hmm. Whenever you're looking at those deals, do you look for a value add? Like right off the bat or not necessarily? <clears throat> I don't. I don't. I, I don't. My thing is I am very, very conservative and the fact that I don't want to go in and buy something and then go in and add tons of money because I don't want to spend that capital. I'd yeah. rather find something that was a little bit more turnkey and make money over the long haul. Meaning, like for example, our apartments in Jacksonville, we bought them at like 570 
and I want to say the rent roll was like right at that, five, you know, fifty-seven hundred a month. Well, the mm-hmm. rent roll is eight grand now. It's not bad. Well, just on a one percent rule. Yeah, it's sure. Just one percent rule. One and a half. One. It's one. It's eight hundred eight hundred thousand dollars. We bought it for five sixty. That was four years ago. Same thing with our place in Cookville. I mean, you know, rent roll from there is a little over eight grand. We bought it five forty. So like. Just raising rents over the long, over the over the pays itself, pays yeah, itself off. Nice. And I don't need the, I like sounds, I don't need the money. Like yeah, it didn't affect your day to day. It's not affecting my day to day. I'm not taking it out to go buy Lamborghinis or anything like that. Yeah. It is just even though you should, even I'm though I should, <laughs> I'm just my son would want me to. Yeah, cool. It is just money that is going to be there. And, and here's the thing too: if I needed to go get a hundred thousand dollars, oh yeah, you just. You got equity. You got equity. You go pull it out. Yeah. So our single families are really not designed. We haven't taken any money out of those. Um, they're designed for when down the road my W two changes and my tax uh, uh, burden changes to where those will be uh, pretty well paid down. And then when I'm trying to lower my profile later, and I just uh, you know don't have as much W two money coming in, then yeah then that would slowly um, kind of offset that change. Sure. But I don't want to pay the taxes on it now, so we've pushed it kind of down the Kicking road. Kicking the can down the road. Okay, what do you work, we'll talk about Landex because we're all three involved in that in a second. Let's talk about that in a minute because I get asked about that all the time. What are you working on now? You got anything going right now besides the apartments and gas and you're trying to sell? No, I think uh, this next year I want to take the 10 campfires that I've tried to build over the last sure. few years yeah. as you finally pay off your student loans as a physician, you finally get where you wanna be, I guess, professionally. I built a lot of little campfires to figure out what was gonna catch fire, and I wanna try to coalesce those into a few bonfires to really focus into. That was a good and analogy, man. Decrease I mean, that my, uh, like expenditures. That. Well, if you Google the campfire bonfire thing, yeah. it's uh, it's a Matthew McConaughey quote. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. uh, so I'm stealing from. My name not be as good looking as yeah, him. Yeah, stealing God, from. Yeah. Be a lot cooler. Uh, the thing yeah. we always get when we get around Stephen is our vocabulary goes up. It so does. I, I, I don't feel smarter. Word, I don't use the word. Actually, I feel dumber. Honestly. I don't use I'm the word like, coalesce yeah. in anything. But uh, you know what? Tonight, yeah. when I'm talking to Jackie, I'm going to use coalesce. the word coalesce. Roll it and in there. Look, See what happens. She's going to look at me like. Like what did you do? I don't know what that means. You got a word of the day calendar? Yeah. Up at the gas station. I was pumping the gas. But okay. I'd, I'd love to uh, to really just shift my focus and say, all right, you know, I'm an investor now on some level, still very busy in my W-2, don't want to give that up because it takes so long to get there yeah. uh, with med school and sure. becoming a physician. And I still really enjoy it. I really do uh, most days. Uh, but uh, try to figure out what's really going to work going forward and how active versus passive do I want to be. Because some of my things, I'm still a little more active than I'd like to be. Okay, so we talked about um, Stephen being a physician and kind of the spa and what he's doing there. Rock owns a salon, extremely successful salon here in Birmingham. Talk about how you're layering that and parlaying that into another salon. And we talked about this at dinner the other night. I don't know if you totally remember this, but he has a very, very interesting way of how you're creating ownership in other people to where you're not having to do the 60, 70 hours a week. So talk about how you're structuring the new salon over in Hoover. Yeah. So we just realized that you, if you can bring people in, give them equity, they have some skin in the game. 
Equity means ownership. Yeah, ownership in the in the company. Um, they just perf- maybe perform better. You know, they they have that ownership, so it's like that they value the business versus just being an employee. You mm-hmm. know, right? Um, so the way that we're structuring this new uh, location in Hoover is we're going to be uh, so our we created a uh, 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 like a holding company for salons. Our plan is to do multiple locations. So we have forty three one enterprises that um is has our holding company and then our manager that is going to oversee all of them she's part owner in that holding company for the salon right um 43 enterprises is going in 60 percent ownership in the new location hmm. and then brazier holding which is a couple they're going to come in as the other 40 percent. they're going to be the operators they'll oversee the day-to-day um courtney our manager will start moving to more like a gm role sure. to where she's overseeing different locations so um, that's the way we did that. I, now, we'll be there a lot. We just have so many good systems. Theoretically, you know, in our head, it should work to where we can uh, deploy these systems that we have. And it should just kind of run like clockwork. It's not a, um, the systems are pretty simple, but they're pretty in-depth for everything that happens in a salon. So I feel like if we can, if we have that playbook, kind of like a franchise almost, like I feel like we can do this playbook and they run, everybody's running the playbook. Um, I, I don't see it not working well, you know, it's going to be a lot smaller. It's going to be eight chairs. Um, but you, but eight chairs. Don't you have the ability to expand? Um, probably. It's, it's in a strip uh, center. So, yeah, we'll probably have the potential to, ex- to expand. With eight chairs, we should be doing like 2.5, somewhere around there, I would okay. imagine. You know, top line at the, you know, as it grows. So, with eight chairs, let me say this, too. With eight chairs, I learned this. I don't know if you knew this either. He... Because your wife, y'all were sick and you couldn't go to dinner. Hmm. That's right. Yeah, it was yeah. a good dinner, too. Good dinner, yeah. Mm-hmm. Darren's. So, it's like the third time I missed out. I know, <laughs> I know. So, I'm oh, sorry. So, back, back, rabbit, squirrel. So, um, what he does is your hours at the salon are eight to eight. Is that eight right? to eight. So, we run shifts. Yeah. He runs two shifts. Mm. So, Susie's in chair one from, let's just call it eight to one. one. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, Lindsay comes in from one to eight or vice versa, whatever right. the number is. So you got two two girls or two people, excuse me. Yeah, occupying one chair. Occupying one chair. Yeah. And so you've, you're maximizing, and because there's a lot of people that want to get their hair done early because yeah. they got to go to work. They want to go to work, got to be work at 10 to get their hair done at yeah. eight. We yeah, found in aesthetics that people want to come early, maybe lunch, and then late. And then you have these weird gaps in between where mm. people don't want to. You know, they don't want to take a half day. They don't want to take a whole day. Yeah. They, they want to hit it right after work or come at lunchtime and go back or something. All right. Salon question. Go ahead. You were fixing to say something. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say the shifts the, 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 in the salon industry, when you run shifts, you kind of say like the first shift pays the bills and the second shift's the profit. Really? I mean, that's I a, love that. Yeah. It's like, so you, in your head, you know, okay, well, we need to fill these chairs, but we also have to do the, for the next shift as well. We got to fill the chairs for the next shift. And you kind of see your profit. It's pretty easy to project what your um, numbers are going to be year over year, or ours have been, just because we have that steady growth, you know. What percentage of your income in top line is not haircutting, meaning so we're t- products, whatever? Yeah, so we're like, over the year, I'd say for this year, we're at 17% RTS, which is, so that means 17% of our total top line comes from hair products. That's retail. So that's people buying shampoo, conditioners. Um, hair, we have the hair company now, so they'll buy the hair. Um, so all that is that, and then the other, you know, whatever that is, whatever that math is, 82%, 83%. 
83%. Yeah, come, come 83%. 83%. Yeah. 83%. <laughs> okay, so the things that we've talked about today are, are good. And I love this. And Coach Sanchez talks about this all the time of like having different, having your company that makes you money, but having different layers of that company mm -hmm. that do different things. Great example. Steven's a doctor, does his doctor thing, but he also has, he uses his doctor abilities, if that's even a thing, uses his doctor <laughs> abilities, and he has the spa. Uses that Make, degree, for he sure. Uses that degree, <laughs> yes. making money there. Yeah. So you've got the salon, but he casually floated in there. We own a hair company. Yeah, the hair company is pretty cool. So tell us about the hair. So, so I did not realize this. So when I was growing up, extensions were an African-American thing. Yeah. Black and, girls did that. And, that's and they still do, it. you know. You know. But now. Caucasians do it too. White folks do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so tell us about the extension market and what you're doing there. Because are y'all selling this? Like, are y'all selling the actual hair as well? Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so let's talk about that, and you can give that a good pub too. Okay, cool. Somebody listening to get yeah, need some hair. Forty three one hair, yeah. uh, LLC. <laughs> um, Instagram, you know, Shopify. Yeah, yeah, we got it all. Um, so, so this is Brittany's idea, my wife's idea, and she's genius on business as well. But so we were buying hair from from companies to do hair extensions. Okay, hair extensions is a huge market. So like somebody could come in there, like one of your like wives or whatever, spend sixteen hundred dollars on hair that'll last you know, four to six months and you, you know, readjusting stuff like that. But the hair quality maybe lasts 10 months total, depending on how you take care of your hair. So you're buying pieces of hair and getting it installed. Okay. So out of that 1600, let's say 800 is the hair. So the cost of the physical pieces of hair was $800 for, to the client. For you. Let me get there in just a second. Okay, so sorry. the client pays 800 bucks. So <laughs> we started doing this probably about three years ago. We were buying from companies. Okay. It's so, so let's say we bought them at 400, we could sell them at 800 cause you want a hundred percent markup on retail. So we'd sell that. And then it was, it was great. Everything was going good. Well, these companies started raising their prices. Mm. So that margin, we can't just keep going up. You can't sell hair for a thousand dollars for hair cause they could go online and buy it cheaper. So we were able to get these discounts from having a salon and whatnot. But anyway, this margin started closing. And as it's closing, we had to redo our structure because the girls get paid a commission on how much retail they sell. Mm -hmm. Hair is considered retail. But when that margin closes up, you can't afford to pay that commission because that margin's, um, you know, it's gone. It's gone. So yeah, you the don't salon makes $400 profits $400 on the hair that Jennifer buys. Yeah, they'll make like 15% or 20%, whatever they end up so getting. So they get a percentage the off the hair, and but they also get their commission, yeah. service commission off of the service of installing, installing the hair. Installing the hair. Yeah. So like you say, if the hair, if you charge the person $800, it's 60, you're charging another 800 to install to it because it's a skill. Yes, like it's, it's a skill. It's not like, mm -hmm. you know, hey, come wash this person's hair. Yeah, Even though no. that's, you have to learn that. I mean, that's some kind of a skill but as well. But you got to go send yeah, somebody yeah. and pay for training to get this you hair You have to installed. have a certificate. You yeah. know, it, I don't think, it's, that's not required by Alabama's cosmetology board or anything like that. But um, it just lets the client know, hey, these people have gone through extra education to be able to install these things. So we make every one of our stylists before they can do hair, they have to have some kind of a... a Good job, Stephen. They have to have... <laughs> <laughs> turn turn yeah. They have to have some kind of a certification to be able to install the hair. So what Brittany did is she started sourcing hair from overseas because that's all these other companies are doing as well. Okay. So we have our own hair company now. So we get those for a, a lot lower price then we can sell to the salon back to the original, you know, let's just say $400. The salon marks it up to 800 pays its commission and, and runs it that way. So the hair company alone selling to our salon 
it would be like a six figures per year um, is, is what we would end up doing. But so now we're selling it to other hair. So we had like a class in Tuscaloosa next year. We have a Tulsa, Oklahoma salon reached out. So we're gonna start trying to do the, implement these classes to where we're, we're, we're traveling. We have an education team. So once the salon gets it and gets certified, they should be buying the brand you know, buying the hair straight from 431 hair. So when you get the comp, when you get the hair from overseas and your salon buys it, or is the salon buying it at quote retail? Retail to the hair company, yeah. So let's let's say we buy this. Yeah, the, the numbers. Yeah, so so just say we buy this pack of hair for two hundred dollars. The hair company does. We mark it up to four hundred, sell it to the salon. Now, if we were selling it to the individual, we'd mark it up to eight hundred. Because that's what the salon sells it for. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. You're so moving you're buying, into distribution. Yeah, exactly. You sourced yeah, yeah. it, and now you're becoming so you're a distributor. you're selling it to the salon for 400 With mm-hmm. the brand. And piece. the salon pays the, quote, hair company, and then you're selling to the human for 800 Yeah, so we're getting a 100% markup to the salon, 100% markup to the client. So the end user is paying 200 Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. See, I love this because you take the salon – and you found a product that you're already using. Mm-hmm. And you went and said, okay, how can I make this product and do this product? Cody talks about this all the time. So in catering, we're doing the same thing. So we have catering, but then we have vending machines. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we can take, say we have a whole pan of chicken left over from whatever thing that we do. We can then take, because the chicken's great. No one's touched it or anything like that. We can take that chicken off the steam well put it in our bowls for our vending machine and it it's you know, ext- make it more money yeah. it's extremely profitable because the food's already paid for it the point. food's paid for at that point yeah so and it would become waste if you didn't do it, something yeah, with it if you don't you're either a throwing it away or you could i guess you could reuse it down the line but like yeah then the quality goes down the quality goes down so we take that reputation puts it into the into the vending machines pretty quickly the vending machine thing so we dropped meal prep recently the vending went that last week was our last week. So we dropped out, had a handful of just people that were pit, not pissed, just disappointed that we stopped. But, I mean, y'all been a long time. Bro. As, that was your 10 years. Yeah. That's a niche. long time. I mean, six, six almost seven years here yeah. in Alabama and then the four years before that in Tennessee. So we had a lot of people that were just like, oh, devastated. But the vending machine part of what we're doing has been extremely profitable. That's good. It's taken us a year to figure out locations. It's just like a gas station. You've got to have a good location. Right. But it's taken us a year to figure that out. So, but it's been, it's been really, really Are you good. paying, when you, when you set those vending machines up, are you paying a lease for, for no. property? They're not, they're just doing it for the no. value for the people. It's the value for the people. Mm-hmm. Biggest thing is they're, the people in the hospitals especially are relieved that Susie the nurse has something to eat at one o'clock in the morning. Hey, if you and don't hit the, if you don't hit the cafeteria windows, if you're working in a hospital, especially, uh, you know, my schedule is a little more flexible in that I can control it and I can, you know, go see a patient here, take a little bit longer if I need to, you know, pop out of the hospital and get a bite to eat. But for the nursing staff, a lot of times they're saying, Hey, will you cover my patient for, you know, 15 seven, minutes seven so minutes. I can run to the cafeteria. And if you miss that window, because something happens with your patient, you know, your patient's most important thing in that moment, um, then you're you're kind of out of luck uh, if you didn't. I like it ahead. because it's so, like so real food, food that's yeah. there in that moment uh, is is pretty, pretty big. I'll give you a great example. We went. I'd like to say he probably got the hospital idea from me uh, on the vending machines. Certainly did. I did. But yeah. the, the hard part is 
the layers of bureaucracy that you have to go in because uh, hospitals are just so political. Not in a bad uh, way. They're just political. Contract based. Contract based. Um, you and don't so want to we went, impact another vendor. Oh, yeah. You, you, so, so always somebody in there. Um, so what was the other day? Hmm. I don't remember. It was something about a nurse, and I can't remember what it was. I got a question. Go ahead. I want to know. So, give us some dollar examples of the vending machine, like how right. that works. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> the smallest priced item is five dollars. The largest priced item is nine dollars. So it's at a. It's at, reasonable. Yeah, it's reasonable um, because no one in there is gazillionaires. Right. Yeah. So, and they need something quick and something fast. There's something about a double-digit meal that even today in 2023 throws people off. So we've got those bowls at nine dollars, which is a really good deal. That's a good deal. And yeah. we're and we're making money, but we're not gouging anybody. Yeah. So we, my goal is to make about. I'd love to grow a, a top line between seven and eight hundred dollars a week per machine. Per machine. Mm. I'd love to be at that number. Um, I'm probably five to six on some of them right now, and I'd like to get it more. I think part of the thing, the hardest part about these things is, number one, figuring out what what items do well in what mm, locations. Yeah. Some locations, they eat just salad, for example. They eat tons of salads. Some, they don't touch them. Hmm. All depends on the people, so you got to figure that out. That's wild. And then also is we got one location we can't keep full. Hmm. Could you put two? I have two. Are you serious? Yeah. St. Vincent's East. I can't keep them full. That's nice. I mean, yeah, I, I've worked I, there before, and, and you had, I don't know if the subway's still there. There was a subway option, a cafeteria option, but if you miss the cafeteria hours, you're done. That's, That's what I was going to say. Cafeteria hours. I went the other day to UAB Highlands, and I had to deliver over there because of whatever reason. So I took some food there. It was one fifteen. One fifteen. I ate lunch at 1 o'clock some days, and the cafeteria was closed. Hmm. Seriously? cafeteria was closed. They have hours of like 11 to 1. And so what happens was at 1.15, it was closed. And so there are people eating at all hours of the day, and the cafeteria's closed. And it's in downtown Birmingham, and sure. downtown Birmingham is not a place where stuff's open late. And I don't know enough about hospital economics, but during COVID, um, I'll tell you this, way back when Cooper Green was open, uh, on Tuesdays, people would, from other businesses would that work downtown would come over to the cafeteria and get the fried chicken because the fried chicken was really good at Cooper Green. Um, when when we were kids, I remember my grandparents would go eat at the cafeteria at Bessemer Caraway. Dude, I was going to bring that up on man. a Sunday. Oh, had to on a Sunday afternoon, just add salt. And <laughs> with I mean, it was good with <laughs> with COVID. Uh, that probably completely evaporated, at least as far as the hospital cafeterias That's getting some, some revenue outside revenue. And so their hours have become more contracted than they already were yeah. because you're not having the business, the local business people popping over and having a meeting at the That's hospital cafeteria. It is. Yeah. Um, so I got all this from a girl named Brittany in Texas. So when I got the machine, I just reached out to the guy that sold that quote, sold me the machine in San Francisco. And I said, Hey, you got anybody that does this? And he connected me with this girl named Brittany. She's the sweetest girl ever. And she's right around our age and she owns a catering company and food company in, mm -hmm. in Texas. And she started out and she's got 15 machines. I've got nine and she's grossing about 40 grand a month. And this was one of our first phone calls. Mm -hmm. Probably. I think you were doing something that day was just learning about the machines. So from maybe a year and a half about ago, a year and a half, two years, maybe two to years. now. Yeah, it's great. We are really, really, and, and it's something that, I quit buying machines about eight months ago because I had eight or nine machines out in the 
world and some of them were horrible mm. and so what I've done is I've just found better locations and moved them around mm -hmm. so I'm getting five and six and seven hundred dollars a machine now that's crazy they don't charge you any kind of a um, it probably costs about as much to run a would refrigerator. You charge a, would you charge a vending company to put a vending machine in your salon? Or would you just like to have it for Cokes and yeah, or an not. ATM? You, probably not. So it's the same thing. I mean, it's a value add. you yeah. got to kind of pick your battles to what you want to do there. So That makes sense. Yeah. So let's talk the next thing that we're all three involved in. And we've tried to been doing things for, for a long time. Uh, let's talk about the Landex deal. And so I get questions all the time about investing and what we're, what you're doing. And this is the truest version of like passive income for me. So um, the example is I tell people when we talk about Landex, what they're doing. Was the guy's name Podolsky? Hmm? Podolsky. He's the original. He's the original land. The flipper, land geek. Land flipper, land geek guy. His, his so, book is called uh, Dirt, Dirt, Rich. Dirt Rich. So let's give you an example of what he does. So he takes a piece of land. Let's just say 100 acres. And then he takes that land and parcels it off. There's a cost there mm -hmm. to parcel it off. And then he sells the different parcels. I tell people it's just like Costco or Sam's. Mm -hmm. You go to Sam's, you own a vending machine, you go to Sam's, you buy 50 Cokes at 35 cents a piece. You then put them in your machine for $1.50, $1.50, whatever. Then you take the profit from there. That's all we're doing, just on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. So one of the deals that we're doing is... I think they're buying a hundred acres. Around there. Around there. A thousand or a hundred? No, I don't think it's a thousand. hundred acres. hundred, hundred and twenty acres. hundred and twenty acres. And they're there. parceling it off into nine to ten acres swats. Mm -hmm. And let's just say we're buying it for a million dollars. And then we're selling the, the to say the ten spots, ten, 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 you know, uh, parcels for hundred Fifty thousand dollars, whatever the number is. So we're buying it for a hundred, just commerce one hundred and one. Buying it for a hundred and parceling them off and selling them for a one hundred and fifty. So what we're doing is I'm, they're taking out a portion of the purchase for debt for bank bank money, mm -hmm. and then they're taking out, say thirty percent, as private money. So Stephen will give a hundred, I'll give a hundred thousand. And you'll give a hundred thousand. So we've got 80, 70% quote bank debt. And then 30% is private money. Mm -hmm. The guy that's making all the freaking money. It's the one that puts the deal together. The one that puts the deal together. That's the, that's the cool thing though about that. It's like, you don't, you have to have knowledge of, of deals, of course, and, and network of people that have money. But like, that's like the ultimate goal. If you can put some, some deals together put a little bit of your own capital in, but then walk away with a crazy multiple, you know? I mean, that's... Oh, the guy's making a lot of money. Yeah. And we're making 20, money to 40, yeah. 20 to 50% on a one-year hold. Right? Yeah, you can't beat that. No, you can't Besides those hard... You, your hard money loans are pretty sick, dude. The ones that you do. They are good. And yeah. it is... Um, that's the one thing we're doing a lot of right now. I think we've got four out right now is... I mean... This is the easiest entry. If you've got sitting on cash, it's the easiest entry point into real estate. Is find a flipper, a guy that knows what they're doing. They got to know what they're right, doing. They got to be consistent. Sure. They got to be professional. All those systems. I got to have a system. And the guy that we work with has a great system. He does twenty or thirty a year, fifteen to twenty, fifteen to thirty a year. I give him money, like I want. I just sent. I gave him ninety thousand dollars, and he gives me fifteen percent simple interest. So, the difference in simple interest 
and annualized interest. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so simple interest is the 15% on that dollar amount in the allotted time. So he's giving me 15% in six months. Most people think 15%, they think 15% annualized. Mm. Yeah. That's not what we're doing. So in essence, I'm getting 30% annualized. Yeah. So I give you can him, do it twice in a year. Do it yeah. twice in a year. So I'm giving him 90 grand in six months. He will give me $90,000 plus the 15% interest. Let's just call it 13.5. I don't know what the exact number is. So he'll give me, what is that, $103,500. Yeah, you can't beat those deals. But no. the thing with those deals are, like, I don't come, I've never come across those in my mastermind group. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It's like, you're that kind of entry for, for my world, right. or for me, because you're in that world. When I hear about those, and especially seeing them play out, because we have a track record now to kind of see how, how yeah. they've been working, those get me excited. Like, me and Brittany both, we're like, Hey, once we you know get rolling some of this stuff back, let's do some of those because, man, you just can't beat those. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, and, and there's a risk involved, just like any other thing. But here's the thing: it's collateralized. Mm -hmm. That's the big part. As long as you do all that part, what does collateralized mean, Stephen? Oh, meaning that there's an asset to back it up. Yeah. So if things don't go well, then you've got a some deed kind of with your name yeah. on it, or some some level of equity in the deal to that house. So, so I'm in essence the bank. And here, we all know. You could foreclose on that. No question. And we all know the people that make the most money in the world, freaking banks. The banks. Mm -hmm. So, like, they've got money. All they, like, all I do is wire money. Mm -hmm. I call Mark, my, my financial guy. Hey, I need $90,000 sent to this. He calls me to verify it over the phone, and then they do the rest. And that is it. You can't beat that. You can't beat it. It is so, and it's such a blessing because it's like, you work for so long to create income, and then you hear about passive. I mean, this is as passive as you get. Yeah, you, you can find it. So if you're out there and you can find someone that's a house flipper that knows what they're doing, has a system, like you said, hey, I'll fund it. Don't have to go through a bank, which is huge relief for these flippers. Yeah. Right so, now, especially. Right now, yeah. And granted, they're getting more. Here's the other option you could do. If you don't want to do that, you can say, hey, Stephen, I'll give you $90,000, split the profit with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you're spending 90K, you're probably going to make, probably going to you know, get 150 for it. I don't know, I'm just using the number. So if you spend 90, you get 150, you got a $60,000 exit. Exit. You split that. That's not a good, that's a great deal for me, not a great deal for him. Yeah, sure. So he says, hey, I'll give this guy 15% six months. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. He's got a system. He's put the same paint, the same countertops, the same flooring, the same everything in the house that he's done at the other ones. It's mindless. I would say the only downside, not downside, but the only thing to be careful of and to look for is the tax thing for that. Sure. Because there's no tax place. Same thing with the land X land. deals. That there's no tax. Because I'm right. Right. Yeah. So that would be offsetting with ATMs or some other kind of investment, which you got a lot of real estate. Have you cost seg every, all your real estate? Never cost seg anything just simply because I haven't, I didn't learn about cost seg until after I had purchased everything. Um, I probably could go back and do it, but I think this next- You have year, to do that on purchase? I think you gotta do it within the first year. I don't know year. enough about it. I'm, we've never done it, so. Yeah. So I think what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna look at this Huntsville thing this week. I think after I look at, there, look at that one, if I wanna move forward with that, I will probably look at cost segregation there because I mean, I'm gonna have, the more money you make, the more taxes you got to pay. Yeah, you're always going to be having yeah. to figure out the tax thing. So, um, all right, before we wrap up, what else? What else we got? Anything else you might want to talk about, discuss? No, I'm just looking, I guess, since it's the end of the year, you kind of get 
yeah. uh, you reminisce on on what the year was and and what you're wanting to go into. So just looking forward to uh, opening up a new quarter. And do y'all have any tax plays or anything that y'all need to do before the end of the year's out? Um, for me, I have to. I write myself a check for insurance for. There's three things I gotta write myself a check for. It's gonna be fifteen or twenty thousand dollars that I'll write my check. Out of your check. escort? Yeah. Yeah. Out of my escort, just so that it's it knocks that off yeah. of my, my top line. And all that's documented so that like, you know, if we did want to sell one day, hey, these are owner expenses. This yeah, is another you can see 15, it, yeah. 20, 30, 40 thousand dollars that goes back on the top line. Yeah. For that. So that really that's it. Um you know, any fees I have to pay, like I have to pay I have a quarterly fee that I have to pay um to a to a company for for usage and things like that. And so I'll pay two of those. Yeah, now. go ahead and get those out. I'll yeah. get two of those out now. Um, I only have two vehicles for my business, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not a car guy like you are. And so like, I don't, me going and buying a car or getting a fancy car, it's not kind of my, my yeah. deal. It's not your investor DNA. It is really not Which I don't guess that's really DNA. an investment at all. So, <laughs> no, I'm not doing anything. Are you doing anything at the end of the year right now? No, we've got all our stuff. We, we kind of took care of everything um, in November. So we're, we're pretty straight. I think I'm going to have to get through a tax season with to my newest endeavor to figure out because I had I have a lot of 1099 money that I make as well that uh, the way I structured this last LLC was that would uh, you know kind of be broad enough so that it wasn't just the medical aesthetics it was some of my other 1099 um, things that I do in medicine which historically I've just you know gotten paid over the year and at the end of the year have to write a check back for yeah. the the tax portion of it so now that all flows through that uh that's that smart, business yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how beneficial that is because that would be really really big for yeah. me as far as future investing is is if i have more left over at the end of the year because sure. as a high earning w-2 uh the the more that i can save on a, a tax bill um it it's going to help you should see so steven every now and again I'll try to give them a little taste of W two life and show them, you know, what actually got paid out. I was looking and I'm like, oh, how much? It is bonkers, y'all. So if you've got a doctor friend, just ask him to see. Just give him a hug. They probably need a hug. It's like the number. He'll show. Okay, he'll say, look at this, and it'll be the net or the excuse me, the gross, like what he quote made. And then the next, or like, the okay. Yeah. And then the next text me message picture is like what he actually took home. And it just lets the. It's disheartening. <laughs> it's so disheartening. So, uh, lesson here is uh, try to be a business owner if yeah. you can. Yes. So, um, <laughs> hey, where can guys find people find you if they have. Because there's got to be a salon person out there that wants to ask yeah. questions. Because, I mean, th these guys, you know, I know a lot of salon owners from Tennessee down to here. And you guys do as good a job as I've ever seen doing it. So, if someone's got questions, where could they find you or Britt? Thank you. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Rock Sandretto. Uh, email is info at rocksandretto.com. Perfect. Stephen, what about you? There's a doctor out there listening that would have investing questions because doctors sure. don't know anything about investing. Uh, so timelessmedllc at gmail.com, which I know both of you guys don't use, a, don't use at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. That's probably not the most uh, business <laughs> appropriate. But, but timelessmedllc at gmail.com or uh, on all the socials, it's timelessmedllc. Great. Um, last piece of thing I would say is find people that you can talk to, that you can invest in. The biggest thing, too, is also find people that are like-minded. 
we did not talk about this today. We will in another episode talk about the family, how we've got four kids here, three, three kids here and three kids here. We've got a bunch mm-hmm. of kids between us and how Stephen just looks at us sometimes and says no. Because yep, he's he got things he does, and, yeah. I, and it's awesome. And yeah, no one great. ever pushes back. No. And I even said, "Hey, what about this?" And he just looks and says, "No, my kids are off. I'm off." But reflectively, I would say you're really unapologetic about certain things too. Sure. If it is going to benefit your child, mm-hmm. and sometimes people from the outside might say, "Well, you know, why is it that way?" Well, it's it's for the kids. It's absolutely for the so, I look or for last, the family. I got so frustrated. My two big kids last night, and I kind of raise my voice more than I should. And I looked at him and I looked at my oldest and I said, you got four years left in this house. You got four years left and you're gone. And I just told her to be a nice human because she wasn't being very kind. (laughs) And so when you sit back and you go, okay, what are we doing? You only got so long and God's given us those four kids, three kids and three kids to to make an impact on because I mean, at some point they're probably going to take care of us. And so raising these these humans to where they're great people in society is huge. And so I got something to add to yeah, that do it. Uh, book wreck uh, for that part. It's called 18 summers. And it talks about you only have 18 summers with your kids. And that's what gets into that family boardroom structure uh, where you do the, the trips with, with each of your kids per quarter. You spend like a day with them, no electronics. Um, because you only, you, like you said, we're, we're all in this stage where we do have these, these kids, but they're growing up. So, just around the corner, we're going to be talking about, oh, so-and-so is going off to college or, or whatever, and they're going to be out of the house. So you only have, you know, God's put these kids in your, in your life to raise them to be the best humans you can be. But like you said, you, you don't want just 18 summers. You want more than that. But it's how you steward that relationship while they're in that 18-summer yeah. thing and in your right. house. Of, is, is, are they going to stick with you when, we, when they move out of the house? Are they going to want to come back home? Are they going to want to spend right. time with me? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's, that's very important, too. We were, last story, we'll go, we were leaving, come back from Mexico last year, and we saw a family. They were all bigger people. They were all above six foot. Jack and I were both right around that area, and they had three kids. They were all athletic-looking kids. It was two girls and a boy, and I looked at Jack, and I said, those, that's our family. And we guessed, and had an older daughter, a middle son, and a younger daughter, and we walked up to them, and we said, is this the oldest, the middle, and the youngest? And he goes, yeah, kind of looks at me funny, like, hey, what are you, a creep? (laughs) <laughs> and I go, hey, we've got three just like this. This is the age. And he goes, he looks at me <clears throat> with all seriousness. He goes, it just gets better. Mm-hmm. And it was extremely encouraging because they had been, I don't know where they had been, at the beach or skiing or somewhere, but it was so encouraging. And, and you know, that's the goal. Sure. Yeah. That's the goal for your freaking kids to want to come back home and spend time yes. and bring their family. And so that was that was the goal. So what's the book called? Family Board Made or 18 Summers? It's called 18 Summers. 18 Summers. That's, yeah, that's great. That's easy read. Um, find somebody that you can uh, live, uh, bounce ideas off of, talk about things with. It's incredibly important. So thank you so much, guys, for joining us today. Yep. Yes, All right.